Nerds watch Disney podcasts. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dudes Watch Disney podcast. We are a Lost Boys from Neverland, usually hanging out with episode eight, Peter Pan. Run, run, lost boy, they say to me. You're not having this? Okay. I don't, I don't, what are you doing? It's a fucking, have you not listened to the radio in the last six months? It's a uh, fucking, my name is Jake and Neverland is home to lost boys like me and lost boys like me are free. I'm, I'm Dustin <laughs> and I don't know what's happening. It's a white girl piano ballad that's oh, been on the radio. Okay. My, fucking, my name's Jake, not, it's not in the song. Huh, okay. And lost boys like me are free. It's not a good song. It's okay. been stuck in my head forever. Welcome back. How you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. Should Peter we, Pan is what we're we talking right about today. Should we right out of the today? gate apologize to the people for our last episode? <laughs> like, anyone who's still listening to us, like all the Alice in Wonderland fans that we have uh, <laughs> ran off. Maybe not start with that one if you're uh, new to the podcast. Unless we were kind of off the rails. Unless you also don't care for that movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got frustrated and we just... And sort of let it all out at once. Yeah, so we apologize. Right. Unless you enjoyed it, and then we don't apologize. <laughs> then we'll do it again. We probably will do it again when we get to, like, these, like, there Oliver will definitely and Company be and, like, rant things heavy. where we have nothing to say. Yeah. There will definitely be rant-heavy Disney films we will get to. Uh, but all that aside, Alice in Wonderland is behind us, and I, I'm pretty glad about that. We can move on to different things, and this one is Peter Pan, which is... Uh, Released in 1953, but before we get into that, uh, got a bit of news for us here. It's the first time we've had news on the podcast. Yeah, how about that? Coming in off the wire. It sounded like Mario, like yeah, the star like music. <laughs> Shit. Is that not how telegrams work? I don't know how it works. We brought up earlier on in the podcast, we talked about the Disney slash Netflix deal that came up, and uh, how it was supposed to help us out and all that, because what got spread around was like oh man some point down the line all the disney movies are coming to netflix which we thought that's great we just started a disney podcast that'll help us watch and that'll help the fans watch along with us and make everything really accessible yeah that's not happening we're idiots um everyone else might already know this since the deal was meant to go to effect in september and that's come and gone but the official headline was from September onwards, Netflix will become the exclusive U.S. pay TV home of the latest films from Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and Pixar. That was the official news release, which was completely misinterpreted by several websites, which led to the headline of, oh my god, all the Disney movies are coming to Netflix, and that just got spread around like crazy, and that led to people like us hearing that and just assuming it was true without fact-checking anything. Just the new stuff, not the entire back catalog. Disappoint. Now there are some older Disney movies that are on there, right? Like I know, uh, I haven't looked recently, but at one point I know Robin Hood and like like it's a totally random like Robin Hood, right. Great Mouse Detective. There like, is, and that's what's probably going to stay there is like the Disney B sides are going to be on Netflix, but we're not going to see Aladdin and Lion King and the fucking good stuff anytime soon. I could see them doing, you know, since they like the vault system anyway. I could see them. Picking five movies, putting them on for a month, picking five different ones, doing that, you know. They could, and I would like to see that, but they don't, I imagine they wouldn't make nearly the same amount of money. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how their deal works. Um, they could probably get as much money as they wanted from Netflix if True. they, you know. Well, in theory, they might buy Netflix. I've seen that coming around, too, but... 
I feel uh, like Netflix is doing pretty well on its own. I don't. I mean, I don't know that it's. A, I don't know how money works. For a wrestling analogy, uh, we took this as news with an S, but it's actually news spelt with a Z, and oh. we should have smelled a fucking rat to begin with. Mm. But yeah, sorry to get everyone. I just wanted to break that to you on the air. You know, figure that'd be fun. Well, that I, I'm disappointed. I mean, we have most of the Disney movies. On well, we, the way that I've I, maybe we should talk about this. We haven't really uh, mentioned this. How we're watching all of these. Um, mm. I owned a lot of them to start with. I bought a lot of used copies of them before Hastings went out of business. I was buying yeah. <laughs> uh, from them pretty exclusively, but also a lot of them. A lot of the Disney movies are on TV, so I've got the ones right, that I didn't recordings. already own on my DVR. And you know, so I'm watching them all through legitimate means. Um, <laughs> And, you know, you always go to your, your local video rental shop to get right, the rest. Right, yeah, the, the library. I use the, uh, our library, I assume most libraries do, but our library has a DVD collection. And I got, I don't remember which one I watched on that now. Um, I think, but no. Fun and fancy free. <laughs> Could have been. I don't know. One don't of know. one of the earlier episodes I watched on a copy I got from my local library, which was, you know, made me feel good. Sporting the library. Yay for libraries. Um, I went to check mine out. Uh, like my local one, they had Pinocchio there, but it was checked out when I tried to find that. So you didn't you didn't just look online? They have the cat, card catalogs online, is it not? Yeah. Okay. But like I looked like a week earlier or something, and then I went by. And oh, then, yeah. Okay. Or I think I did a scouting mission or something like mm. before we started the podcast, and was like, let me see, and there was like basically nothing. But I don't know. Does <laughs> that what came up on your search? <laughs> basically, we have basically nothing. Why are you looking at a library? <laughs> but yeah. Peter Pan is what we're getting into today. Uh, film released in 1953, uh, apparently one of Walt Disney's favorite stories, and it, uh, which seems to come up in all yeah. of these intros. Walt Disney has 15 different favorite stories. <laughs> I guess. But at one point, uh, you know, it's based on, a, a, I believe, a, was it a play first? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that sort of uh, had a lineage of its own, and then... A play in which, and we may talk about, uh, we'll just do it now, a play (laughs) in which uh, the main character is uh, Peter Pan, obviously, uh, not overly friendly, like, apparently in the play itself. Much different source material. I've never seen, but like, he talks about thinning out the Lost Boys when they get too old, and seems to just kill some of the Indian, or natives, or whatever term we're going to use for them. (laughs) Right. Indigenous people. Yeah, this is one where it's like, this is the most Disneyed up version of the story where... Although, uh, and we'll see this when we get into his first appearance, like Pan still looks pretty creepy in his first appearance mm-hmm. and is not, you know... At he's least, kind he's, of an asshole. Right, like. yeah, I mean, he's definitely a little a little boy. Like, right. he's not uh, a wonderful, magical, great, happy creature. Like Right. I think, like, with... Uh, this is a case of like not staying too close to the source material to make more kid friendly, and because of that, a lot of the like issues I have that will come up later are all things where I'm like, well, in the original play, that was probably done differently, and now it's just kind of like, like I think Peter Pan's an asshole in the play. He's supposed to be an asshole, right? But in this he true. just kind of is. He's definitely uh, not a nice man, right, or boy in the. Uh once upon a time version obviously we haven't spent a lot of time talking i thought when we did the podcast we'd mention more once upon a time characters along the way well you're the only one that watches it so. well but the, so that would give us uh, me a chance to educate you a little bit about sure. peter pan is is a villain in i think he's the main villain in season three maybe he gets a a huge storyline uh, where they go to neverland uh and 
he's a bad dude. Yeah. Um, he ends up, spoilers, being Rumpelstiltskin's father. Uh, so okay. there's that. But he went to never, he left Rumpel behind and regained his childhood or whatever. He traded Rumpel to go back to being a child for who knows why. I don't remember now. The show's very complicated. I'm sure I'm exactly. not explaining it right. <laughs> right. Because I haven't seen it in years. Uh, well, I've seen the sh- I haven't seen that episode in years or those episodes. Anyway, uh, but the movie uh, did you? I'll just transition back away from what I was trying to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, the movie did. Uh, is this a movie that you watched a lot uh, when you were little? I think I did. Did you watch it often? I remember uh, this was one that we definitely owned, but mm-hmm. I, uh, it was kind of like a. Uh, I, I mentioned in Pinocchio was one that we owned too, but it was one that I just we had it, but I didn't really watch it that often. Uh, I think that I did. Yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't like Pinocchio where I was banned from watching it because you got right. scared. Um, you watched, but maybe like after you got older and I still had the VHSs like in my room, it was one I never really went to. It wasn't be. like there wasn't a reason like Pinocchio where it was like I'm afraid of it or like a Cinderella where it's like this is about girls, so I don't want to watch it. This was just a film that I usually right, looked right past before landing on fucking blank check or something stupid <laughs> instead. Like I don't know what part of it didn't connect with me then. But, uh, yeah, not one I'm super familiar with. And then I watched it when we did this watch through last time, several years ago. And then that was the last time I fucking saw it. So a lot of it was, uh, you know, not, not exactly new, but kind of like buried deep. Like, uh, yeah, then this kind of happens. And several songs from this make it, made it onto that sing-along tape we had as a kid. Mm -hmm, So I definitely mm -hmm. remember following the leader and you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. fly. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't think the Native American song made it on there, but... I want to say it did, actually, did it? on one of them. Maybe oh. not, but I thought so. I don't recall. I'm sure that could be looked up, but we're not going to. <laughs> Peter Pan uh, also has uh, a special place, for me at least, uh, not so much this movie, but there was a, a TV show version of it, which only it didn't last long at all, a Fox TV show, Peter Pan and the Pirates, I think it was called. It wasn't the Disney Pan? Like, this wasn't like a Aladdin TV show or anything? No, 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 no. This was totally... Okay. It was was Peter Pan and Captain Hook, but it wasn't... Right, but it was Fox, Mm -hmm. like the real Ghostbusters or something. Yeah, sort of like that. Anyway, that I watched a lot uh, when I was little, and uh, when our uncle would would babysit us or whatever, uh, after watching that show, he would be Captain Hook and I would be Peter Pan. And If I was around, I had to be Smee. Right, Jake and his little uh, playpen uh, was Smee. Mm-hmm. We occasionally would give him a plastic sword too. I feel like that was a role I was born to play yeah. anyway. So, I guess we can uh, jump right into the start of it here whenever I fucking got there in my notes. The movie opens with very simple credits, uh, you see, but it introduces a lot of what we're going to see later in the movie. You see the mermaids, for example, you see... Uh, uh, you see teepees and and that and totem mm-hmm. poles that kind of stuff. You see, I guess, the stars and uh, some other scenes from Neverland, pirate ships, maybe. Right, and we get the opening credits song called "The Second Star to the Right," mm-hmm. uh, and it opens the the actual plot opens up with the line all this has happened before and will happen again. So right away we know Peter Pan's probably immortal, and uh, this sort of uh, isn't really address much until we get to the end like it kind of bookends it uh mm-hmm. 
which is a pretty fun little just kind of like a side bit like it's not really important to the plot but just oh by the way this happens all the time i, I think like it's a, a great hook for the strip <clears throat> hook. No, no pun intended there <laughs> yes but to like all this happened before and it will happen again like that's an interesting way to start like that is, that, that's a good opening line to yeah like a, i don't know if that's how the play opens but if you you know there are certain works of, of fiction that have memorable first lines and, and this would right. definitely be in one. a hole in the ground that lived the hobbit sure or best of times worst of times or you know all that jazz we meet the darling family uh mrs and mr darling uh we the sort of narrator introduces us saying mr <clears throat> mrs darling believes in the spirit of peter pan but mr darling does not i feel like the opening is very efficient we find out a lot about the characters very quickly and watching the oh, yeah. the mother and father get well, ready for they their are pretty one out. note so it's well, easy to get true, that across but we we find out a lot of in, in a hurry when they're getting ready for where they're going their night on the town i guess right plus, mr darling can't find his cufflinks or right. his cumberbund and he's all frustrated and frazzled and yeah but mrs darling is trying to keep everything together and also trying to be sympathetic the, kids, the kids too you see watching the kids you learn a lot about their personalities you can see yeah the, the two, one with the one with the glasses the uh, two boys uh john is the one with the glasses and michael is the the little toddler are sword fighting and playing pirates. i was gonna call him simon he's the he's the chipmunk with the glasses <laughs> that's like. true he always reminded me uh in the series of unfortunate events books he always reminded me of klaus or the other way around never read maybe. those uh, excited I, about the netflix i think show. i am i think i am excited about that although uh that is happening i don't have a, a news bit right saying, I actually story this about is why earlier this week and they seem to be less on board with their excitement than they initially were first hearing about it but i don't i don't know why mm-hmm. that is I think there was a new trailer, maybe, for it? There was, but it was like Patrick Warburton talking, and that was... Yeah. I liked that trailer, so... He's gonna be Lemony Snicket as slash narrator slash... You've never read the book, so who gives a shit? I think I have read... Or not read, but I saw part of the jim carrey movie i didn't see the whole yeah, thing i remember that like i saw all. like maybe i did the last watch it all I 30 it 45 minutes uh, of i thought it. it was really bad so i didn't know what was going on i started in the middle so i don't know what you might want to do uh is check out the audiobooks because they go by really fast and they're done by tim curry so oh, that's, that is nice. yeah that's why i, I mean they're not very out. long no. right yeah i mean the books themselves are like 100 150 so pages something i could read uh before the the netflix show starts but anyway mm-hmm. I've actually never finished the series. I remember uh, it was a family night of playing Mario Party or something, (laughs) and you tried to explain the entire plot to a series of unfortunate events to the whole family. Why that happened? With really like our mom was really listening and trying to piece it together, and then our our dad and I were just shitting all over everything he said, and like you were trying to explain it seriously. He was like, "Yeah," and then Esme was in disguise. I'm like, "Oh yeah, Esme in disguise." (laughs) Like, yeah. For clarification, I would have been like 11 or 12 oh, yeah, at yeah. the time. You would, so. would have been tiny. Not mm-hmm. tiny, but <laughs> tiny. <laughs> Old tiny Jake. Anyway, we find out a lot about the characters in a hurry. I, the dad is very much me when I'm getting ready for work every morning. <laughs> like, just unable to find... And the thing is... Tripping over the dog. <laughs> I get up earlier and earlier and leave later and later. Like, it does... I don't know how it happens. I get in the shower at the same time every day, but still am frazzled and can't find all my right. stuff. And, uh, uh, where to put this? And where's that? And, oh, it's the worst. Right. Uh, this is... It's sort of in that... Uh, that same vein this is right away i was thinking this film might be sort of divisive uh because it's definitely like if you put kids and adults in the same room watching this they're going to be on opposite sides of the fucking fence here because like 
The dad's frustrated, can't find his shit, and then he finds out the kids have stolen his cummerbund and dr- dr- <clears throat> drawn all over it, drawn a pirate map on it, and the dad's mad, and we're supposed to side with the kids, but I, as a 26-year-old man, am like, A... Damn it, kid! What the hell? Right, I mean, like, he you've ruined his night, and that's stealing expensive. cufflinks is one thing. The drawing all over his shirt front is totally not cool. Right. Like, and what did they draw with that it wiped up so wiped off so easily? Like, <laughs> I thought it was crayon, but that wouldn't no, really that wouldn't work do that, that way. And like, I don't know what they used. Just cartoon magic, I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, Wendy uh, is John and Michael and their their big sister Wendy who stays in the nursery with the, with them and she's meant to be 13 14 are no we sure her age i know she's on the precipice of growing up because they, right. they threatened to yeah know, once once the father gets so angry he says she has to leave the nursery right she's getting too old for this she's got to get her own room which i think most kids would be excited right, about most teenagers would be excited about especially girls living in a room with two with their two younger brothers right but uh, uh, but she's not ready to she's grow really, up yeah not ready to grow up she wants to keep playing pirates and talking about peter pan and all this fun stuff as soon as she mentions peter pan the dad's all peter pan poppycock yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite characters in this movie, and I wish that she had a bigger part, was Nana the dog. Mm-hmm. Like, she is really underrated in all the stuff that she does. Like, she is the nursemaid to the dog uh, to the children. Mm-hmm. Which, wait a minute! Like, this family <laughs> has a very nice house. They have very nice clothes. It seems like if they wanted to get uh, someone to take care of their kids, they definitely could. But why uh, is the dog the doing this? Covered. She's. I mean, yeah, she's great stack in order in alphabetical order. Yeah, at she's that. very good. And getting frustrated with the dad for knocking him over. And and seems to get offended when the kids, uh, you know, use foul language. Well, not foul language, but say right. things like poppycock or whatever. Right. And then when, you know, the scene kind of boils over with the dad finally finding his cufflinks, but then tripping over Nana, and they both go tumbling into the, like, wall. It's a big crash. And immediately all the kids are, are like, oh, no, oh, no. And they run right over to the dog. Right. And Poor check on Nana. Her. And that's what sets Poor Nana. Right. And she gets banished outside, even though she did nothing wrong. And- right. And so the dad gets mad at Wendy for filling the kids' heads with nonsense, and uh, we can see his mad, his, his anger sort of dissipate as he gets outside with Nana. She gives him, like, the puppy dog eyes, and he's like, well, I guess I'm not really mad, but she's got to grow up, and you're not a maid, so be outside and right. be a dog. And while he's outside with Nana, the mom is being a fucking enabler, <laughs> and, you know, don't worry, kids, like, your dad really loves you, he just gets mad sometimes, it's okay right. that he hits you, like, that that, <laughs> that doesn't happen, <laughs> but I feel like it could have happened, and she would have had the same... Uh, Perhaps your but dad. Your dad loves you. She does seem to get increasingly concerned with the situation because Wendy, who is a jabbermouth in this movie, <laughs> like never stops talking about oh, what's like going on. Your pan girls talk too much, right? Uh, she starts to explain how the previous. She doesn't want the mom to lock the window because that's where Peter Pan comes in through the window and visits her at night. And after writing that in my notes, I just wrote three exclamation points. Yeah. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's sort of what the mom's face is like, what? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And this, this seems to be set around the time. This looks like Victorian, uh, London to me. Like mm -hmm. this seems like Jack the Ripper's probably roaming the streets at this (laughs) point. And this guy's coming to visit, uh, their daughter, uh, right. nightly apparently and as the mom's leaving the room she kind of makes like appropriate concerned uh, my daughter's in like junior high and still has imaginary friends faces as she's Which, putting them yeah, to bed hopefully imaginary friends and not an right. actual man coming to visit her every night either way it's alarming and 
yeah, parents look pretty sympathetic to me right here. Whereas I feel like eight-year-olds watching are like, parents are dumb. Like, Right. So then the parents leave for their night on the town. They look fantastic. The, <laughs> the dad, dad is especially. dressed like a magician. <laughs> he's got a cape and a top hat. And the white gloves. He looks amazing. Uh, but as they leave, you see on the roof a shadowy figure. and then Before oh. we get to that, as they're leaving, uh, the dad just hilariously shits on the idea of Peter Pan coming to visit while they're gone. And he's still screaming about it. Just, ah, oh, Peter Pan, lock the doors, call Scotland Yard. And right, and the, the mom at first is amused by this and then seems increasingly annoyed by his right. rant. But then you see a shadowy figure on the roof lit mm-hmm. up by uh, what we later learned to be Tinkerbell. Uh, you get kind of an outline of his face, but he's scary looking at this it's point. It's pretty like, like jack-o'-lantern face. Like it's we find creepy. out later that he's not as scary as all that, although he's still a little bit mm-hmm. uh, uncouth. Uh, fun music note here. Uh, as soon as we see him, he gets uh, this sort of like musical tune that follows Peter Pan around throughout the movie. We later see him playing it on his own pan flute uh, throughout, like the do 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 and when you uh it's just sort of a fun and playful aspect to him that we see it starts out when he's uh silhouetted on top of the the house there and as he's sneaking his way into the the bedroom we get that same sort of same sort of tune played throughout and that's sort of a recurring thing in this because we also get that for like when the crocodile shows up later he's got his own set of notes as well like, never smile at a crocodile is that, that the song? oh is it i mm-hmm. didn't realize but, uh, it has words, although they don't appear in the uh, so like in an the end film. credit song or something. I, I don't know. But <laughs> oh, you never smile at yeah. a crocodile. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know how it goes after that, but clearly, <laughs> right. But I like the, I like the musical direction uh, that we're already getting here. It's nice when characters have themes. Mm-hmm. So we meet Peter Pan and Tinkerbell here. Tinkerbell, very vain, right away. She finds a mirror and starts looking at herself and checking out her hips and gets frustrated. Right, is of course upset. And this, again, would be similar to what we had in All the Cats Join In uh, in an earlier film. butt's too big. Right, where now the taste would be different. Like, she would be mad that her butt was too small or whatever. Mm -hmm. But here she's thinking her hips are are too big. And uh, It's clear that no women worked in the production of this movie. Like, I mean, I guess the voice actors. No Native Americans either, I'm guessing. (laughs) Perhaps not. But, you know, the portrayal of women and young girls in this just... Mm-hmm. So and now it is the fifties, mm-hmm. and it was a different time. Uh, no, this is still a thing when we come to the mermaids later too, though. Like I, oh yeah, the mermaids. These points come up again when I give my message score later. Okay, yeah. But Tinkerbell, of course, is very vain. She gets jealous immediately, jealous of Wendy, mm-hmm. as do the mermaids. As you know, Tiger Lily and, and Wendy have a, a you know difficult relationship. The animation sequence of uh, Peter Pan trying to, like, chase and wrestle his shadow. Pretty fun, I thought. Mm-hmm. That's creative. Seemed like it might it could have been, like, a fun Fantasia idea or something if they... Right. Now, neither neither that. of us uh, have kids, but I don't think that they sleep this soundly. Um, Probably Peter not. is banging on shit all <laughs> through their room trying to catch his shadow, right. and these kids don't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, I don't... I don't. Also, yeah, it's, I wrote chasing shadow across room. Kids sleep through this for an unrealistic amount of time. Wendy won't shut up. Right. Wendy does wake up and immediately. Oh, she starts marking out over Peter Pan. Oh, I remember when you fought Hook, and I tell my my brothers about this all the time. And while she's saying this, Peter just goes, "Girls talk too much." Right. But at the same time, uh, 
Peter says he's you know been listening outside their window all the time because mm-hmm. he loves to hear her stories about him because they're all about him. <laughs> right, yeah, he's he's vain himself, uh, much like Tink. Right, Tink is locked in a drawer for this whole conversation. So we see her jealousy sort of building up uh, in regards to Wendy right from the beginning. Wendy explains to Peter Pan that she's sad because uh, I can't tell these stories to my brothers anymore because I have to grow up tomorrow. And Peter says, no, come to Neverland. Yeah, run and, away with me. Yeah, be the mother to my me and my lost boys and you won't have to grow up. And Wendy's all nervous, which is excited. And uh, she says in her excitement, she's going to give Peter a kiss to which Tink freaks the hell out and attacks. And right. this wakes everybody up. Right, so Peter's initially very excited to bring her with him, but then when the younger brothers wake up, they totally cockblock Peter yeah. and say they're coming too, and at first he's like, like uh, what? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, you can come too, I guess. Yeah, and then uh, we're going to, you can fly our way out of the window, and apparently the, there's two things you need to be able to fly. One is imagination, and the other is pixie dust. And uh, right here we get a butt thing. We always see these in Disney movies. You get a butt fascination here. Yeah, Peter uh, grabs Tinkerbell and is like, oh, you guys got to have pixie dust over here. Spanks her right on the ass repeatedly to shake the dust off onto the children. So that's a little weird. Uh, Tink gets a lot of comeuppance, comeuppance along the way. Uh, every time that she does something snotty, uh, she gets something bad that happens to her, right? She gets locked pretty, in the drawer. Yeah, pretty much right I don't away. know if that's to prevent her from becoming a villain. Like, she's definitely not be. a friendly creature uh, in this movie, or at least not friendly to Wendy. And I think to prevent her from becoming uh, a villain, like, we keep giving the payoff of, like, well, she's getting what she deserves yeah, along the way. Yeah, she did a minor thing, but here's a minor payback. Because part of the way villains work is, like, they, they do bad things and get away with it for a certain amount of time, and then you want to see them get caught or whatever. But by constantly giving us the payoff of her dealing with karma right away, maybe right. that prevents her from... I don't know. I mean, she's clearly a terrible person, or... Well, like Preacher, catty. Like, it's not like she's evil. She sells them out, though, oh, like by okay. the end. But like, it's because she's heartbroken. I but guess, she's but pretty... she goes from being catty to, yeah, I don't care what what you do to Wendy. Like, she still loves Peter or whatever. But yeah, She does tell the Lost Boys to shoot Wendy out of the sky. Yes, so. <laughs> and then gives away their location and do whatever you want to the Lost Boys and to Wendy and her brothers. But, you know, make sure Peter's okay. That's not okay. Like that's, it's not, but it's not like she's the mastermind behind it. She's easily no, swayed. True, but that's past being catty. Like right. I'm uh, okay. So. This catty is like, Haha, I hope you get fat, and then there's catty <laughs> like, I hope you die, and I'm gonna make sure that Captain Hook goes about trying to kill you. Fair enough. As we'll see later on. But at this point, they, you know, you can fly, you can fly, you can, you can fly, fly, you can fly, you can fly. They get eh. the pixie dust. I like that's... that they try to fly without the pixie dust first, and then fall on their faces. Right. Um. Thoughts on You Can Fly as a big single for this movie? I, I like it. It's good stuff. Yeah, I found it, a, it's kind of dull, in my opinion. Maybe it's just the movies that have, like, the chorus as opposed to the characters singing themselves. It just doesn't seem as memorable to me because I felt the same way about Bambi and about uh, When You Wish Upon a Star as well. Maybe that's just sort of the disconnect there. Maybe if the character was singing it themselves, I'd feel more of a connection to it. I don't know. You Can Fly is the big hit single for this one, and that's sort of the iconic sequence for the film is in, oh, right past the moon and straight on till midnight or whatever the hell it is. Second star to the right, probably. <laughs> we're off. We fly. We land on Big Ben, and we're off to Never Never Land. 
But even in, as they're flying, you get more of like karma for Tink, where she tries, she messes up Wendy's reflection in the water, but then all the fish attack her and she's to try to get away from them. Mm-hmm. Like every time she does something rude, there are consequences for it. Um, and I, I assume that that's to keep us liking her. I don't know. Presumably. Uh, Tinkerbell is sort of the only one that got a career after this movie <laughs> with like the resurgence of Tinkerbell merchandise and kids shows and there was a, the like 2002 sequel to this movie or whatever so maybe that's I wonder if any of that she's in any way still like a caddy villain or if she's just completely reformed herself because now she's got to be a marketable character i mean yeah i mean she's got the t-shirts but they're horrible like you know i love my attitude problem like just right. terrible no you're just a bitch like that's not <laughs> you don't have an attitude problem like true just, but i don't I, to the opposite side of that would like the little kid pirate fairy movies or whatever the fuck that are like direct to video if you watch any of these movies recorded off of uh disney jr or whatever you'll see those why, why would i do that that's where they show these movies oh, okay. they're a good place to record them uh now we got a pirates and more sea shanties the life of a pirate for me yeah it was nice mm-hmm. the the crew is disappointed they don't like being in neverland they're ready to hit the you know, hit the road, get back to seeing the the world. They say they've forgotten how to slit throats and do all the <laughs> yep. pirate things, but they have to stay because Captain Hook has a grudge with Peter Pan. With Peter yeah. Pan. Uh, this was the main appeal of this film as a kid to me. Uh, it's, it's got pirates and pirates are fun. And mm-hmm. growing up in the nineties, the pirates of the Caribbean films didn't exist yet. So if I wanted a pirate movie, I had this and I had Bubba Treasure Island, Bubba Treasure Island, which I watched the shit out of. It's fantastic. <laughs> when like, you're a professional pirate. I bring that up you again don't have to wear it <laughs> later when we sing a song telling everyone to be pirates. Oh, well, okay. But, uh, yeah. And we get to meet our, our sort of our villain tandem here of Captain Hook and Smee, uh, Hook is trying to find Peter Pan's hideout. He thinks he might be hiding with, quote, those redskins. Mm-hmm. He decides to kidnap the chief's daughter, Tiger Lily, and torture the location of Peter Pan out of her. As this is going on, one crew member is still singing the song up in the crow's nest, mm-hmm. and Captain Hook straight up murders him. Yep. Like, this is not even, like, cute, like, ha-ha, he knocked him off of there. Like, it's Death. off screen. Like, we see him fire a pistol, and then a body fall into the ocean, and, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... But I will say that uh, is kind of Hook's one villain moment of this movie. I feel like they kind of just put that in there to show... Because the line we get after that uh, in a seriously fucking exposition-ladled conversation here between Hook and Smee... Smeet says Pan cut Hook's hand off, which okay, he describes the, as croc, yeah. just a childish prank. <laughs> like, <coughs> well, I think Smee, Smee wants to hit the road again, too, so or not okay. hit, the, hit the sea, I guess. <laughs> but he has mangled the man for life. Well, true, but he's trying to downplay it so they can get out of there. Like, oh, it's just a prank, Captain. Fine. It's not a big deal. Like, come on. And then he says... Uh, you know, but what made it even worse? Hook's like, but he fed it to the crocodile. That's even worse. And now the crocodile's hunted me ever since. Uh, and then Smee's like, yeah, but good thing he ate your alarm clock too. So now you can hear him coming with his TikTok. And it's like, guys, you just told us like a four chapters of this book in three sentences. Sure, but uh, I mean, I think we establish right away. I'm going to take the other end of this from the uh, from what you just said about him not doing that many bad things. I mean, he does eat. He kidnaps somebody. Like he. Okay, not as bad as the murder that he does right here. Right, the murder is... Uh, He attempts to blow up Peter Pan? Like, he's not... True, but the first instance that we know of in this is 
pan cut off Hook's hand. Now, I do like that this is an ongoing rivalry that, like, we just kind of jump in the middle of. But when the middle is, the last thing that happened is Pan did something fucking evil. Right. And also, Pan, as the movie goes on to show, is an obnoxious asshole. Sure. But killing a, a crew member, not even like in an, uh, you did something really wrong and I'm angry with you, Darth Vader, yeah. force choke way. Like, this is totally... You're annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's okay that I killed you because I'm just that kind of guy. Like, right. And I like that, that we're establishing, like, because the rest of the film, he's so ridiculous. Like, but here, you see that he's a straight-up bad dude. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to mess with this guy. It's like the beginning of Hook when he locks that dude in a, uh, like, box with scorpions, which scared the shit out of me as a kid. Sure, yeah. So sort of like the opposite of, like, in The Jungle Book, where we get the other characters just talking about how awful Shere Khan is. Or not in the live action one, but in the cartoon one, right. just talking about it, but you don't actually see him until later in the movie, and then when you do, it's like, oh, God. Yeah. Because uh, he's been built up in your head that much. This time, the first time we see him, we do we see him doing something really bad. Right. But then, jumping ahead, kind of the rest of the movie is him, like, with his pants around his ankles and true <laughs> tripping yeah. over himself. Yes. Uh, uh, and even in the, this scene, as Smee goes to shave him, wraps him up in a towel, <laughs> a bird lands, and Smee, Smee, Smee shaves the bird's ass, mm-hmm. and the bird flies away, and Smee obviously assumes that he has beheaded the captain. Right. I've never shaved him this close before! Which is funny and silly and enjoyable, but the scene where he does shave the bird ass, and then he gets like the aftershave on it and does like a... He, like, slaps the bird's butt, but it's such a dead-on, like, skin-on-skin sound that it's kind of creepy, right? Because yeah. it's straight up, like, on a bird ass. Like, right. I don't know. That always kind of weirded me out as a kid. But, yeah, he goes straight to assuming that he's just accidentally cut off the captain's head. But then he finds his head. Right. <laughs> and, and tries to grab it <laughs> and yank it, even though it's stuck. Yeah, there were a few times this movie made me laugh out loud, and yeah. that was one of them when he's trying to yank his head through the chair Pan or whatever. And, yeah. Pan and, not Pan. Hook and Smee are very fun. Uh, but Pan arrives and lands on a cloud, and Hook... Uh, I guess his one bird's nest guy that he didn't shoot already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Crow's nest. Crow's, Crow's nest. nest. Yeah. Bird's nest. Yeah, Crows know. are birds. True. He alerts Hook saying, oh, look, up in the sky, it's Pan. And Hook tells Smee, rouse the crew, prepare the cannons. And and says this awesome line of double, where'd it go? I lost my spot. Shit, 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 shit. Says this awesome line of double the powder and shorten the fuse, which if if that's not an ACDC album, I don't know what is. Like, maybe with their new... You want to double the powder! <laughs> maybe with their new Axl Rose lineup. Perhaps, I don't know. So then they, they attempt to blow him out of the sky. Of course, they miss right. several also, times. Also, kind of funny moment up in the clouds where uh, uh, John is pointing out, like, oh, it's Neverland. It's just like the maps. Like, there's the Indian encampment, and there's the Mermaid Lagoon, and there's Captain Hook, the pirate. Boom! Cannonball flying <laughs> at their face. Right. And, uh, you know, so... Yeah. Peter tells Tink to take the kids to the hideout, to which Tink completely abandons them and goes to warn the Lost Boys that a terrible windy bird is coming and tells them Pan's orders are to shoot her down. So, yeah, Tinkerbell, you're right, kind of bloodthirsty. <laughs> uh, right. The boys attempt to do this, uh, Pan shows up and saves the day and gets angry with Tink and decides to banish her forever, or at least for a week. Yeah, Wendy talks him down from forever. Pan uh, kind of wants to go off with Wendy and be alone, so he tells the Lost Boys, and 
uh, John and Michael to go out and capture a few Indians. Right, and he they start to sing follow, following a leader, but before that happens, he puts John in charge because being a lost boy sucks. I guess there's no sort of like seniority <laughs> I guess or like so. loyalty from New Peter. Guy, like, boom. yeah, these guys I didn't want to be, uh, didn't want to bring around. I want, I would really want to nail this girl Wendy, so I'm gonna make sure her brothers get a nice. Like it's sort of like Shakespearean, actually. In a way, yeah. Like I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna make sure her brother gets this position of power, so then she'll look on me favorably. I don't know. So we get following the leader, uh, sort of our silly nonsense song of this film. I guess we're starting to get sort of a formula for these movies, at least from the musical perspective, because we're getting our I Want songs at the beginning, and then like the big single, and then now we get sort of silly, like the bippity-boppity-boo, or something along those lines, because the lyrics of this song are just nothing outside of following the leader 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 yeah uh we say the word engine a few times uh along the way a bear nearly says i love you with a slap (laughs) that's true yeah he's getting ready to just nail the which one's the little one michael john oh no michael you're right sorry gets gets ready to nail michael but michael has the uh, teddy bear teddy bear on his head and it confuses the bear for his like head scratching right that's always fun he doesn't get to say i love you with a slap right uh john finds footprints and begins planning an attack on the savages uh decides from a footprint decides they're blackfoot indians uh i guess because it was a dark footprint i don't know i don't know um and then michael in the background is finding a feather and a tomahawk and then it's a bunch of trees yeah i do really like this scene because while john is talking about how they should uh, attack the Indians about how they should, you know, they were going to surround them, we're going to do this. But the whole time he's saying his plan, that's what they're doing to right. them, they which are. I think is fantastic. Which is also funny because these it shows these Lost Boys are kind of like way out of their league. Right. And well, I, not, maybe not the Lost Boys themselves, but John and Michael of like, we're going to play in this war. And then it's like, uh-oh, we are totally outclassed. Right. But even if that weren't the case, like that's a fun like narrative thing to do. Where, like they're saying their plan, but at the, whole time, at the same time, that's what's happening to right. them. Uh, it sort of reminded me of Muppet Treasure Island again, when like they, uh, it's like dark, and then they slowly notice more and more eyeballs around them or whatever, and it's all the uh, yeah, the and pigs. they're surrounded by the pigs. They're attacked by Spam. <laughs> That's true. Um, the music in this scene I also thought was fun because it's kind of a sped up version of following the leader, mm-hmm. and then followed by like the Native Americans are carrying them off all tied up on sticks and stuff, and then it's like a slow, wonky version of womp, 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 womp. Like, Unfortunately, before the the uh, the natives, the Indians, uh, we need to decide on what term we're going to use, I'm well, sure. Yeah. Uh, before they take them away, and before they get fully, or before they fully surround them, as John is explaining to the rest of the... Is his name John? Is that this... I keep John is the glasses John, okay, one. Yeah. As John is explaining to the rest of the Lost Boys... He says, and I'm going to just quote here, he says, the Indians are cunning, but not intelligent. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So now I guess we get into this discussion about, like, how this movie doesn't hold up 60 years later. Well, I will say this in their defense, and this is a very meager defense, mm-hmm. but the play itself is has similar attitudes towards, uh, towards the natives. Figured. And... We're using that source material. And it is a thing. Like now little kids don't play this way. But playing cowboys and Indians was a thing, mm-hmm. at least in America. I assume elsewhere in the world, too. I don't know. I don't know if they have cowboys elsewhere no, but in the world. There is a fascination with it, with Westerns. Like, yes. that's... There are... Like, there are... There's a subset of Europeans that, like... Not so much now, but, like, 
when U.S. Western movies were so popular, yeah, no. assume that that's what the U.S. That's is still like. That's what a lot like. of yeah. people that haven't been to the U.S. still right. kind of expect. There's like Cowboy New York and there's and L.A. Guns. and everything in between is Wild Wild West. Right. Uh, hopefully not the terrible Will Smith version of Wild Wild West <laughs> with giant robotic spiders. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, no, fortunately. Regular <laughs> spiders bad, giant robot spiders even worse. Anyway, uh, I think, so I will say... Playing Cowboys and Indians was a thing that yes. children at this time did, and maybe without some of the language, uh, it's, you know, it's in keeping with that, at least. Right. That's true. In the 50s, this might have been cool. In the 2010s, it's not so cool. <laughs> I mean, and I will say, the Native Americans themselves, very friendly with the Lost Boys. We see right away that this is like an ongoing game. There's not a real war right, or but anything. But the chief is in no mood for their games now because... Right. Well, they explain, because uh, John and Michael assume, oh, we're tied up, we're going to die. The Lost Boys explain, no, they tie us up sometimes, they turn us loose. We tie them up sometimes, we turn them loose. Well, it's just a fun thing that they do, but they're but not the in the mood to play this time. this time, no, turn them loose, because he thinks that the Lost Boys have Tiger Lily, and if she's not back by sunset, he's going to burn them at the stake. Right, which is fair. Like, uh, I think that's his daughter, although I don't know that that's ever said. Theory, yeah. Either way, she's an important uh, person it's in the like, tribe, he clearly. Thinks, oh, you've gone too far this time. What the hell, guys? We're right. going to kill and, you, give her and back. And she's missing, and when they routinely capture his people uh, for, for for fun and games, like, it's you could see where he would make that assumption. Now, he also knows there's a notorious pirate on the island. Like, right. You might assume him you first. You might give but, them the benefit of the doubt. Right, but, but for whatever reason, he's well, jumped straight to the not conclusion. Not very intelligent. Oh, so. well, there you go. Cunning, yeah. though. So we cut back to Peter and Wendy going to check out some mermaids. Wendy, pretty into these mermaids. She's very excited yeah, about she, getting to meet them. She said in an er- at a previous point in the movie, she you know she really wanted to meet mermaids, and uh, she thinks mermaids are cool or whatever, and these mermaids are in no way friendly to Wendy. No. Um, uh, yeah, Peter also seems to be into the mermaids, but perhaps for a different reason. Yeah, speaking of the mermaids, a few of them have... Uh, crustaceans on their chest yeah like clamshells or but one of them definitely does not like she just has her hair hair. yes but why like (laughs) if the rest of your friends are covering up shouldn't i mean i don't want to body shame here like (laughs) but at the same time like what what are you doing like everyone else is covering their bits we can see through this scene and also having to having watched fantasia released about 10 years earlier we're covering them up a little more now than we were then I don't know if that's because Fantasia mermaids totally topless like that was just how it was in that and then now 10 years later well we'll, we'll like conceal it and things like but that. but i think it should be consistent i think we should either do starfishes on all of them it was probably just wanting to it seems painful by the way i don't starfish on the tits probably <laughs> or hair on all of them like if you want to just have the that seems like the most reasonable thing to do just have the hair cover up the parts that way Maybe they, it was probably like an animation thing if we want them to look distinct from each other i guess separate but it them looks out. weird that two of them are covered up and one is not either way more catty jealous women um, yeah and they, they think it's totally fine no we're just trying to drown her like, yeah they don't like at all that peter's brought a girl here and yeah try to fucking drown her <laughs> pretty messed up stuff but we sort of jump away from that scene because we see captain hook sailing by with tiger lily and, and smee yeah. and smee i think this is where i noticed everyone in the film seems to have their own musical cue because i wrote down about uh peter and and the croc their thing here but hook has tiger lily and is taking her to a cave ties her up to an anchor and uh 
says some racist shit about there being no path through water to the happy hunting ground. See, this is him again, like as, as goofy and like you said, pants around his ankles as he can be along the way. Right. Like this is a, like he's going to leave this young girl on That's to drown true. when yes. the tide comes in. Like he he has a. He's got a definite mean streak. He does. He's not messing around. But uh, Pan follows him in there and sort of gets the runaround on him by... Uh, Pretending to do his voice or whatever. And... Right. Leads Hook out of the cave. And it's it's very clear this whole time that Pan, not really taking things seriously, trying to show off for Wendy, imitates Hook's voice and orders Smee to release Tiger Lily and return her to her people. I mean, it could be showing off for Wendy, yes, but also that's a nice, like, non-violent way to solve this issue. Like, it is. there are two of them and one of me, and maybe the easiest way to free her could be to outsmart them. He's, he's a trickster figure. He is, um, but I think at the same time he's, like, paying attention to how Wendy's reacting well, that is to everything. True, yeah. Uh, he tricks Smee into shooting at Hook, which is pretty great, because Smee, uh, bumbling throughout this whole thing, but still amusing, uh, pulls the gun and is, like, shaking the whole time trying to get it prepared mm-hmm. to shoot, and a pan, like, flies right in front of Hook and is like, I'm right here, shoot me, and Hook's like, no, Smee, no, and then we think Hook gets shot and falls down, but he's actually he survives, and he sort of sneaks up on Pan, and now we got a sword fight. And we see... Part of what could be causing Hook's frustration, like he feels like he probably is a much better swordsman than Peter, but Peter won't sit still and sword fight, and he keeps right. flying and getting on the side. Right, win. and so later in the film, when he uh, makes him uh, agree to fight him without flying, uh, you could see why he wants this agreement to happen because he feels like he would beat him in a in a fair fight. Now, then that gives like the Jack Sparrow line of that's not much incentive for me to fight fair now, is it? Jack Sparrow more charismatic than. Peter Pan, oh, I sure. find. Yes. And at least nominally not a heroic figure. Like, True. clearly is meant to be a bad guy, and that's right. why you like him. Uh, or that's why you're supposed to enjoy him. It's like watching him, Eddie Guerrero, his way <laughs> uh, through being a bad guy. That's true. Uh, Pan wins the fight, and Hook gets chased off by the crocodile. However, in all of that uh, showing off, he totally forgets that Tiger Lily is drowning, and Wendy's like, hey, go back there, save save the girl. Mm-hmm. Um he does eventually get there in time, and I guess all is forgiven, but we can kind of see Pan's uh, just general lack of uh, sympathy. I guess. Not really lack of sympathy, but just sort of not paying attention and not taking things seriously enough, which you get with a childlike right. figure like this. But At the same time, we also see so much slapstick between Smee and, and Hook yes. and the crocodile. And it's really, I think it's really funny. I could see where if you're not into slapstick, just the same way that Alice in Wonderland was grating to me. Yes. Uh, perhaps all the slapstick might be annoying to you. Well, I wrote, uh, Hook has a cold now. This is a very silly goddamn villain. I mean, it is. And like, in the ridiculousness of, it's, they're, they're, they're the two stooges, like, yeah. basically. Or three, if you include the crocodile. Uh yeah, as my notes go on, he becomes much more like, is this a villain for, like, a fucking Spongebob episode or something? Like, just... Right, but at the same time, he has a fairly evil, cunning plan of, it's like, and I'll exploit... 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 Uh, <laughs> Exploiting's jealousy. Right, and... we get that here. Uh, Smee reveals, like, oh, we need to get off of this, uh, this island. It's no good for us. Because Hook, you know, feeling sick from being chased through the, the, through the cold water by the crocodile. And he's like, oh, you need bed rest, you need a, a change of scenery, we need to get out of here. And also, word on the island is that uh, weird stuff's going down, Pan's banished Tinkerbell because of her jealousy, and, uh, you know, his point is we should leave because of this, but Hook's like, whoa, what? what? Tinkerbell's been banished? We, we need to work on this, and devising a plan, saying that a jealous female can be tricked into anything. And that's sort of our, like, fade out on the scene. 
and uh, which is not a PC thing to say, but the way that we have portrayed Tink in this whole movie, like yes, true. she probably can, and we find out can be tricked into doing anything. Yeah, doesn't even have to really be tricked. Like right. she seems perfectly okay with the idea of selling them all out. Well, and also, I don't feel like our villains have to say PC things. Like well, you want them to not. Fair enough. As opposed to this next scene where it's like all the good guys are saying like, this is what Native Americans act like. And it's right. Like, and I, it Yeesh. seems like the sort of thing where like people who are racist but have one minority friend and then say like, Minor- my minority friend laughs at this, so it's okay that I say this. That's right. what this scene is. Like these natives are okay and sing this song about what makes the red man red and they seem mm-hmm. to be having fun with it. And so that gives license to the rest of them to play along, too. I thought this song sounded like it belonged on a fucking Ray Stevens album or something that your grandpa finds hilarious. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, the Arab. (laughs) Sheik of the Burning Sands. Why, what made the Red Man red? When did he first say, ugh? And why does he ask you how? I do like that we are doing the, like, three-point enumeration on this, though. Like, here are the three questions we will answer in this song. And (laughs) And then then the song's over. Right, like, we get an introduction, here's we're going to talk about in this song like, right uh we answer these questions uh in comedic and insensitive ways uh the red man asks how because he's inquisitive and wants to learn okay he first said ug when he met his mother-in-law again ray stevens mm-hmm. and he first turned red when he kissed a cute maiden and that made him blush and we've all been blushing since mm-hmm. which is Kind of implying that Native Americans used to be white and normal like everybody else, which is not yeah. a great message for your yeah. song. But And the song is, yes, uh, it is offensive, but... Catchy. <laughs> it would be more offensive if it were the Lost Boys singing about it the Natives than it is with the... I mean, it's still offensive. I mean, we're splitting hairs. Like, it's an offensive song And the way. fact we straight up color the fucking native skin bright red and... Yeah, somehow less offensive than the uh, the painted desert scene from Pecos Bill. True, because that was very just casual. Just right. throw that out there. Uh, painted Indians, he killed them all now. Painted desert. Mm. There you go. Yeah, this is probably the most glaring example of, like, hey guys, this shit we used to think and joke about in the 1950s ain't cool anymore which is probably why in the sequel there's no mention of the of the natives on the island at all like right sadly it's it's always going to be there in a children's cartoon that we all right. grew up with i said that as if i had seen the sequel i, I have read that this, in the sequel they don't appear right uh happy note to talk about in this scene the voice of the native chief guy uh guy named candy candido uh keep an eye out very memorable fucking voice and we will see him in a couple of other disney movies i love this guy's voice like he does have a cool incredibly voice. low and bassy but i don't also know what else he's in what very gravelly i know he's in uh robin hood well it's like a bit character like the crocodile guy that's like leads oh, yeah, the execution okay. and things yeah. like that uh and also in a different sort of aspect to his voice not as recognizable to this in a film a character you actually expressed uh oh is he the bat he's the uh, bat in great mouse detective okay yeah but not the same i learned the bat's name in in uh, that interview and i've already (laughs) forgot again i'm calling him pringle okay pringle (laughs) i thought that was his name pringle the bat (laughs) okay fidget i was very close with pringle (laughs) yeah once you pop you can't stop (laughs) but yeah uh this guy just and i think he did like he did the no- noises for like Lumpjaw in fucking Fun and Fancy Free too. I was looking okay, at his yeah, IMDb, but yeah, great voice on this guy. Uh, so uh, they make up the Lost Boys and the natives make up their friends now. Right. I, uh, I got a third paragraph for this scene oh, okay. about the actual plot that's going okay. on. Uh, Wendy's not allowed to have fun is what we're establishing there. Uh, she's told 
Squaw fetch him firewood. Yeah. And, and she sees Peter kiss Tiger Lily, and she sees Michael and John paint their faces and join in on the dancing, which causes her to freak out and storm off into the night. Uh, and oh, by the way, while this is going on, Smee captures Tinkerbell. Just finds her sitting on a leaf, one random leaf on the entire island. Okay, and we have. Uh, Smee finds her in like two minutes. Why are we having a hard time catching right. Pan and again? And we have portrayed. Well, I guess she does glow. Like. I guess. But, but we have portrayed Smee as the biggest bumbling fool in this whole movie. And they give him one task one, and he nails boom, it. Boom, got it. Like maybe that's he just needs very specific directions and not stray from it. Like go find Tinkerbell and catch her in a sack. Like. Could be. I don't know. I don't know. So that does happen. Then he takes her back to the pirate ship, and we get the wonderful sight gag of Captain Hook playing piano despite only having mm-hmm. a hook hand, but he's really good at it, and he that's funny. Good. Like, I would have also enjoyed it if he sounded like dog shit, and like, I was just trying to play it. <laughs> like, clink, 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 clink. That would have been funny, too. But this isn't, yeah. this is nice. We get the irony of the guy with one hand and a hook being able to play perfectly. Um, uh, I will say right now, I may not have given this film the highest score, but I'm having a lot of fun remembering all these goofy-ass scenes oh, right now. So. I actually did score it well, you'll find out later, but yeah. Uh, so he... Hook, he puts on, uh, would you call it an Oscar-worthy performance here for Tink with the, oh, it's Wendy's fault that Peter left you, if only we knew where Peter Pan's hideout great, this was. This is great villain shit. Like, it this is. is knowing the character's weak spot and knowing how to manipulate people, and she already wants to blame things on Wendy, right. and she just wants someone else to say that to but her to get her also going. also a ridiculous villain, like, chewing the scenery the whole fucking oh, well, time, sure. it's over yeah. the top. Oh, it's, but, it's fantastic. Um, uh, the hideout is in the hangman's tree, so Hook finds this out and immediately locks Tinkerbell up. Then we get back, Peter still pretending to be an Indian chief, which he's all too happy to do. Which I think is something that little kids do, to keep playing the game long after it's fun for everybody else. Right. Like, uh, he asks Wendy a question I don't remember, but she says, ugh, which was actually pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy explains, ah, we're leaving in the morning, we're done with this place. Wait, we, we did leave out an important thing, that Tink... Uh, agrees to say where the hideout is, but makes Hook promise not to lay a finger or a hook, a hook on, on Peter. Peter. Uh, and so he will stick to that. We will find out later. Or maybe mm-hmm. not the spirit of that, but he will stick right. to the letter of the law. The semantics. <laughs> but we see the divide between Wendy and the other kids. Uh, Wendy cause... randomly jealous of Tiger Lily before like she wanted Tiger Lily to be rescued. She yeah. was... The other characters have done this to her, but this is the first time we see Wendy doing it to everyone else. It does feel like we're just kind of casually throwing jealous women onto her character, Again, it's too. it's very clear that no women worked on the production or the writing yeah. of this story. Uh, but anyway, now she's jealous, and she's over the whole, like women do, she's over the whole thing. Like, right. no, we're going home in the morning, and I'm done with you, and I don't want Fuck anything this. to do. Fuck I, you. I'm ready I'm to grow up. Like... Yeah, but we do see sort of the uh, the dangerous side of the this island is Michael is already forgetting their real mother. Right, which is crazy. They have not been, they've been no, gone they like haven't. two hours. But like, this is sort of a thing I want to see like played into more in this plot and we don't really get it of like the dark side of being a lost boy. It's really just this conversation. True. Uh, and then we sing a song about what mothers are good yeah. for. I wrote, uh, boys already forgot their mother, then the name of the song, which is Your Mother and Mine, then I wrote Yawn. Mm-hmm. Like, this is our, I guess maybe that's a Disney trope too. You get one song that's incredibly boring. Right. Uh, and in Alice, maybe there were a few, but sure. uh, in this one, you get this song about Your Mother and Mine, which is, <sighs> anyway, moving on. Right. And uh, this causes the boys to get reminiscent about what their lives used to be like. I called it a dull-ass song. 
but as they're singing it, the pirates are surrounding the hideout, and the pirates start crying outside as well. You know, because they're thinking about their mothers, I guess. Maybe they're lost boys that grew up but still kept being true. You know, sure, there's some parallels there between Hook and, and Pan and, and yeah. acquiring more things that I would like to see this movie kind of go into and work with. But I guess you know, kids' movie, we're just here for the pirates and the. I guess you get more farm. of the forgetting. Uh, nature of things in in the hook uh, right which is like that's in the back of my mind my whole time watching this movie is like i kind of just want to watch hook instead but I which get, also Dustin Hoffman is fantastic he is. as a uh, as Captain Hook i mean well, Robin I Williams like, is fun or whatever yeah. but it's Dustin Hoffman's movie well and in that one you kind of get and this one doesn't really show much things from like the jaded adult side this this the Disney film kind of deals with like, oh, kids, kids don't grow up, but growing up's kind of important is like the message. You can do it, but you can balance. Uh, Hook, you get like the other side of that, which is like, you're an adult, life sucks, but you got to do right. adult things, but then you sort of get the flip side of, but remember what it's like when you were a kid, you can still mm-hmm. have that, and maybe just I'm on, uh, you know, once you reach the other side of that age fence of just you connect with one more than the other, I don't know. So Peter has his own room in the hideout, and he goes in, retreats into his room, uh, and the rest of them are just hanging out in the in the main area of the hideout, which is where the pirates go and take right. each of them very uh, subtly and quietly. Peter has no sympathy for anyone, and uh, he's still meant to be the good guy here. Uh, Hook does stay true to his word, but he leaves a present behind for Peter, which we let, we find out is a giant bomb, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic villain plan, and I understand that villains have to have ridiculous plans, but why, why, why can't the bomb go off in like five minutes? Why does it have to be, <laughs> all right, it's precisely six o'clock that bomb will go off, not any time before. Like, right. I don't understand. I mean, I get that that's how villains Flare work. for the dramatic. Right. But, I don't know. but why not? Like, all right, we're going to be out of here. We'll be in, outside of the blast zone in like three minutes. So I figure <laughs> if this goes off in four minutes, we'll be fine. I mean, like, to be fair, the blast zone, pretty small because Peter's not far away from it when it goes although off. Although it makes a giant smoke cloud. Like, True. Uh, you're right. It's cartoon physics, but also like over the top, like Batman villain shit. Right. I could just kill him in his sleep. Or, well, no, he can't because he can't lay a hand on him. Could have one right. of my assistants Smee, do this. He like, says the humane thing to do would be to slit his throat, but Hook says, no, no, I promise never lay a finger or a hook. Sure, but he could have had Smee do it. He could have had any of his crew do it, and it's then true. he wouldn't be laying a finger or a hook on him. Or even stick with the bomb plan. The bomb I thought plan he was going to tie him up and feed him to the crocodile. Like, that would have been more... That would be poetic. Yeah. But the bomb plan is fine. Just do it right away. Do it smarter. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so he. But takes now we're back, back on the ship, and we got to sing when you're a professional pirate. Sorry, and, and it convinces, the elegant Captain Hook, and it convinces the boys right away. They're on board. All right, well, we'll be pirates. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, but Wendy's like, nope, we can't join. We, we're the good guys, basically. Yeah. Wendy has to spoil everyone's fun again. Right, and we're tick tocking down the clock here. Uh, that's good theming that we still get sort of a countdown clock thing. When True. Tick tock, tick tock is the whole thing throughout the movie. Somehow Tink escapes from her little prison mm-hmm. and flies back and is able to uh, try to fly the bomb away before right. it goes her off. Her big redemption moment is yanking the present out of Pan's hands and trying to escape, get far enough away at least. Big explosion happens and this we finally get Peter Pan's one moment of like 
genuine concern or sympathy over the course of this movie. Like, he does get there. It's just, it took 40 minutes first. So, Wendy's about to walk the plank. She steps off the edge, but the pirates never hear a splash. And this leads me to one of my favorite things about pirates is they're apparently incredibly superstitious Mm -hmm. in both the uh, Muppet Treasure Island and in this, where they assume the ship is haunted. And that's why (laughs) she never hit the water because, whoa, we've been possessed or something. Right. And so, (laughs) Hook, in order to prove that that's not the case, immediately throws someone overboard to, <laughs> see there's the water we're fine like, right. but no she didn't splash because pan caught her and now we get our big showdown sword fight between pan and hook uh we also get michael and john kind of dealing with the rest of the pirates this way we get a cannonball in the teddy bear and used as like a weapon mm-hmm. during this me is totally leaving on a lifeboat like right. just check it out also fantastic and there's a point where all of the pirates are climbing up the uh, the net to get to i guess peter and wendy are up there i don't remember who's I think up it's there the boys and but there's like all this like they're all yelling at the same time and i swear and maybe youtube it find it if you can but i swear one of them yells out get them with the violence <laughs> I feel like that's a first draft line of threatening pirate thing here. Yeah, or I mean, or just saying like crowd noise stuff, you know, because that's what they used to do in movies, like to make crowd noise. They'd have, hang him up. Right. There, I mean, that's there's always like one line in that that you hear. It's fantastic <coughs> as a threat, though. Right. It's uh, like in the. It made me think about you throw him on the ground and stomp on his face uh, from the Arkham games or whatever, where the villains have such great trash talking and battle plans. <laughs> throw on the ground, stomp on his face. Like, Tinkerbell yeah, kind of makes her return here without much fanfare. Like, we last left the scene I was like, oh, she's with alive. Tinkerbell and Pan. She was, like, totally dying in the forest, mm-hmm. but eh, now she's here. She d- attacks Hook at one point. Also, Pan does a sweet rebound dropkick off of the fucking, like, netting on the side of the ship. He springboards right back. Dramatic moment of this fight is when Hook calls Pan a coward, and Pan vows to fight him man-to-man without flying. He also mentions one hand behind his back, but then doesn't do that. So right. He backs down from that promise. But as far as showdowns go, it's pretty dramatic. Uh, but since Pan vowed not to fly, he jumps instead, which is splitting hairs. But yeah. he jumps and pulls down the pirate flag and ties Hook up in it. And at the last moment, Hook tries a sneak attack, which Pan does fly at that point to escape. But I feel like as a face-heel alignment here, that works because the bad guy tried to cheat first. Mm-hmm. Pan then went, oh, well, now let me... Now I can go back since you broke the rules first and do this. And Hook falls into the sea and gets chased away by the crocodile. Peter then agrees to take the children back to London. Pan is the captain of the ship now. He's wearing Hook's like big cloak and hat and everything. And he honorably says that they're going to sail for London to return Wendy home. And Tink pixies up the whole ship and it takes flight leaving how many Neverland. times did he have to spank tinkerbell to make her uh get enough i don't dust know on i don't need ship. to know what kind of kinks they're into to make this work more like kinkerbell oh no you uh, went there. they fly all the way back to london just in time for the parents to return home and then as soon as they they go up to the kids room wendy starts talking wacky neverland shit again confusing the hell out of the parents but admittedly uh she admits that she's ready to grow up now and you know, the parents, they've sort of had their turnaround off screen and they're more sympathetic to Wendy's situation now. And as they're looking out the window, they see a cloud ship on the horizon. And Dad Darling says, I have the strangest feeling that I've seen that ship before a long time ago when I was very young, which sort of brings everything full circle. 
adults can be kids sometimes too or whatever I, I wish it went into that more but i do like that it sort of bookends the story all the same so and then that's the end of the film uh final thoughts uh i i know you have already mentioned a little bit that you scored it lower uh than it sounds like i did i loved watching this movie yesterday i had a great time uh it's a lot of fun there are times like i said earlier that i laughed out loud Mm -hmm. uh hook is so awesome (laughs) hook and smee together and yeah uh so i i really enjoyed this one this would be one i talked earlier in this episode about how i acquired all of the like used ones or whatever some of them i don't intend to keep this one i definitely want to keep yeah yeah and i feel like uh i feel like i'd be happy to sit down and watch this movie again like with you know potential children or whatever even without them yeah just for fun but i will say i I don't know it feels this film feels more like kitty than what we've been reviewing so far certainly more than a cinderella or a snow white or a bambi or fantasia certainly but uh and not just from a story perspective but like our villain seems kind of like he's out of a SpongeBob or something. He's just ridiculous from top to bottom with his crazy eyes and twirly mustache and like heart boxers and pans like yeah tying his shoes together and shits and the crocodile's always mugging for the camera. But one of my favorite Disney villains overall is very much like Captain Hook and is the bowler hat guy from Meet the True. Robinsons. Yeah. who's also equally Who is over absolutely the top silly and, and not yeah. serious or, in any way. You know, if I know we often go down a pro wrestling. Uh, you know, path. You want to like Ric Flair is considered one of the greatest heels uh, ever, and did some legitimately bad things. Like, where but he was also two, getting his pants pulled right, down all yeah, the time. He, and, you know, would look at the Flair flop and right. any of the ridiculous uh, things that he did, in addition to legitimately doing some awful things to Dusty Rhodes and all the other uh, good guys. Right. That that's a fair example, but I don't. In my opinion, I don't think Hook turns it up enough on the villain side. He it's, doesn't at actually. Least not, I mean, he attempts to murder Tiger Lily and does, does murder one of his Odin crew members. <laughs> he does. But then the rest of the movie is just him getting jobbed out <laughs> yeah, yeah. to Peter Pan. I don't know. It's, so you're saying he's late 90s Ric Flair instead in some of late ways, 80s yeah. Ric Flair? Uh, there's a lot of laughs in this movie and there's uh, maybe a dis- decent message about growing up hidden underneath everything. But over the fil- overall, the film feels a little too silly to take seriously at times. And on top of that, you got the way uncool racial aspect that... That does hurt my enjoyment of it, too. So if we go through and use our rubric now that we evaluate each of these movies on, Mm -hmm. uh, this is our eighth film to go through the rubric. It's true. Let's see what happens as it comes out the other side. Uh, We open up with the plot, the matters. Uh, I'd say a three here. The plot and the setting are generally really fun. Uh, Everyone likes pirates, especially, you know, young boys would have been the primary audience. So there's the, the appeal there. And I like the fact that Pan and Hook are just like ongoing enemies, as I mentioned earlier. We don't see their story start to finish, but at the same time, I don't really side with the character that the film is portraying as the good guy for the most part. Like, he grates on me a lot, and I don't think he's very sympathetic at times. He's kind of just an asshole, and that's kind of a big detriment, but I, don't know, I went three. Do you think uh, young girls enjoy this movie? Like, uh, I mean, they everybody likes pirates, sure. I, I mostly don't know what young girls like. Right. But... Or older girls. Or... <laughs> I feel like... There, I mean, it's a funny movie. I feel right, like that but there's not to like a, a character that they can, a, a female character that's like that you, yeah, I want to be like her. She's really cool, like Wendy. Wendy, I guess, but she spoils everyone's fun. She and does. She, she's kind of a wet blanket. Yeah, and the mermaids are bitches, yep. and Tiger Lily doesn't get to talk, but yep. I guess she's cool. 
you know, Nana. Maybe Nana is the <laughs> Nana. female character that you can <laughs> Could latch be. on to. Yeah, everyone I likes a dog. That said, I gave it a four and a half on the matters. Uh, I feel like it keeps moving. This is the first time we've used a rubric on each one of these. It's the first time that I actually wrote notes next to my scores. That's useful. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't been doing that all along. But uh, it keeps moving. There's not it does. Really a, There's no lulls in this movie. Right, and even in something like Snow White, it's paced oddly. Uh, there's no white is paced oddly where it seems like we've got a story that's going pretty well and then yeah, this feels like one big rising yeah and it's yeah unlike alice in wonderland which didn't give the audience a chance to breathe this keeps moving at the same time or keeps moving the whole time but there's still moments where you can be like okay i understand what's going on and perhaps because it's a much easier world to understand true than uh than wonderland and i like the world like i would love to see this world you know in in just being brought to life in a Disney movie is really cool. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of characters, but it still mm-hmm. feels focused. Like yes. we, we managed to make each one of these characters and some of them are one note characters. Like you said, like the well, dad and the mom that, are pretty though. clear, but especially if they're on screen for five minutes, get one note out. That's all you need. Sure. To and about. the dad being voice or the voice doing the dad and captain hook where like captain hook is the villain and the dad is sort of the villain in the kid's life. Yeah. Uh, most of the time anyway, or they see him that way, but you know, but we 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 get all these characters into the movie uh, and show, and they get to show some personality along the way. Unless they're Tiger Lily and her personality is right. she was in danger and she doesn't actually get to talk at any point. Right. But the mermaids, even if it's negative personality, get to show some personality. Smee is pretty well fleshed out. Uh, even the crocodile, and apparently yeah. in the stage performance of Peter Pan, the uh, the role of Nana is also played by. The role of the, the same actor will play Nana as the crocodile. Really? And so they tried to give the alligator, or the crocodile, obviously, crocodile uh, dog features along the way to sort yeah, of tie he, into he that. Definitely, I can see the resemblance there. Uh, this is a rambling answer, but the the matters, <laughs> the, the plot of the story is, is really you like good. like it. Yeah, I do. Four and a half out of five. Awesome. Um, how do you feel about music? Music, I gave it a three. Uh, I initially had a higher score, and then they thought about it. I thought about it for a little longer. You can fly. I really like. There's nothing else to go with it. Following the leader, yeah. is, they, they farted out. Following the leader, <laughs> yeah. and then the like boring songs of like you know your mother and mine and all that. Right. I went with the three here too because there's some really fun musical cues like I brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there there really aren't any standout songs and you can fly is the big single and i kind of find that a little forgettable in the grand scheme of disney songs like i'm not gonna pick out you can fucking fly like that's not a big deal maybe if it was called you can fucking fly i'd be interested <laughs> you can fucking fly fucking fly fucking fly uh holy but... shit we can fly this is a big deal all we needed was this angel dust <laughs> That's, that's drugs i know <laughs> anyway yeah but i think that's a like a signature disney song it like is. maybe it wouldn't make your list but i think especially if you take out all of the uh 90s disney songs which are way better obviously but if you yeah. take those out in, the, in is, the classic golden you know, you've era you've got bibbidi bobby boo you've got wish upon a star and i think you can fly is up there with those um a dream is a wish your heart makes all of those types of songs uh, i think it's up there with that but but i think that's it's a one song film yeah yeah uh me uh this is a hard one to say because i think i can make very strong arguments both for and against the meaning of this film captain hook like on the one hand he's a pretty weak villain because he has no real heat like he's not ruthless or deplorable outside of shooting his own man at the beginning uh on a whim on a whim yes but i I feel like like the joker in in the tim burton batman like shooting bob 
pretty much for no reason like but we liked bob we didn't know that guy true but uh it's still on a whim though i don't know i just maybe this is like a i watch too much wrestling thing and i get mad at how wrestling doesn't book heels and villains uh, faces and villains properly because like usually the bad guy or the good guys are assholes and the bad guys are like trying to keep up with the assholeness of the the good guys portrayed which that's sort of bleeding into how i feel about this because most of what we see hook do could be viewed as justified if you think that this all started when pan cut off his hand and the movie doesn't tell you that that's not when it all started right. i don't think that pan i mean i don't know but i don't think that pan just flew up one day they'd never met and right just went, obviously. <laughs> cut your hand off <laughs> right like i think they had been feuding and then that happened right like and maybe i just want like a flashback of like hey i'm gonna kill tinkerbell oh you cut my hand off and then i'll crocodile ate it but i guess we wouldn't actually show a hand getting cut off in a disney film so that'd be hard to do the other side of this argument is uh hook pretty much carries this movie on his back Mm -hmm. like he and smee get way more screen time than pan and wendy do they're way more charismatic Mm -hmm. and they're the vehicles that deliver the exposition the comedy they pretty much drive the whole fucking plot Mm -hmm. and yeah hook is just chewing on the scenery in every fucking scene like it's clear from a writing and performance standpoint that hook is though he's the one doing all the work to drive this movie forward and the scenes without hook in them are pretty fucking dull or concerning with the racist bit right so I think it's going to be a two based on the fact that I don't think you want your villain to be portrayed this way. But as a caveat, I'd hate to see what this movie would look like without Hook in it. So that's my two rating there. Hmm. I gave it four and a half. Okay. Uh, I find him to be the like we, like we the second agree, half of my argument. Say everything that's the same, but then just give it different scores. Like yes, pretty much. I he is the reason to watch this movie. He's incredibly entertaining. He's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. The, the one of the things I marked I didn't give Lady Tremaine as many points for was she seemed to be fairly justified. I mean, she was being a bitch, yes, but she seemed fairly justified and like I want what's best for my actual daughters and not this other girl that I feel like I inherited. Right, and so that was easy to to follow. But like Hook, his own crew doesn't understand why they're still there. Why are you still feuding with this little boy? Like let it go, and he's like, no, I can't let it go. Like just ridiculousness and and yeah and it's so funny but he has some legitimate like he's like a 1960s batman villain like i said earlier like he comes up with these crazy death plans for how to get rid of peter and and you know all these different schemes and he's got he's willing to go back to the drawing board on this stuff like we've looked everywhere for them how can we find it well what if we threaten tiger lily yeah you know why is tiger wait a minute we've never really established why tiger lily has been to the uh, lost boys house um are I, I mean, and tiger lily a thing like i don't know about that but there's the rivalry between the lost boys and the Native well right Americans. but the chief is mad that tiger lily's been captured which would make us think that she hadn't been captured before could be well maybe like a pan shows up ah oh, turn my boys loose hey tiger lily how you doing like we should meet up again sometime right so i didn't know if maybe she'd been staying at uh at the at the tree house or what anyway uh i think that captain hook is like i said so entertaining and so uh over the top but also you know he does some bad things he's willing to kill tiger lily to get what he wants he's willing to exploit he goes back, uh, exploit Tinkerbell, he goes back on his, he, he goes, he won't go against his word on laying a finger on him, but then decides to capture Tinkle, Tinkerbell for no reason. Like, they were, I called her Tinkle Bell. You did call her Tinkle Bell. <laughs> yeah. 
but they were she was helpful to him there was no reason to believe she was going to go back and do anything like there was no reason to lock her up like he's it's just true. doing bad guy things just to do bad guy things i mentioned it earlier but i very eddie guerrero uh vibes it's true or Jack Sparrow for the non-wrestling world right. of like just he's doing bad things and you should not like him for it. But he's so good at doing these bad things that that you're entertained by him and you want to see him do more of them. Right. Mise-en-scene. Um, I went three and a half on this one. It feels a bit of a step down from like a Cinderella. The character designs seem a, a little less inspired, but there's uh, this is meant there's. <clears throat> <laughs> I had a butt when I wasn't supposed to because I wasn't <laughs> done talking shit on it. Uh, there's not a whole lot fantastical about the animation when this is kind of meant to be like a magical island world, but outside of the flying, there's nothing really exciting or supernatural going on, and I think I, I would have liked to see that. But out at the same time, fun adventure, bright colors, you know, it, it works for what it is, and... Tinkerbell and her fluttery gold flakes are a nice effect, so three and a half. I gave it a four. Uh, I thought London looked really great. Now, it's nighttime, so that's easier to draw places at night, sure. But I thought London looked great. I thought Neverland looked fun, and like the different areas of Neverland are cool looking. I thought flying looked uh, realistic and fun. Like yeah. It didn't look like we're holding them in one space and moving the background behind that's, them. Like that's It looked natural uh, for the world, and... You know, I, I thought that was fun. And then the, the performances of various voice actors are, are interesting. Um, and then Message. This is kind of a, another middle-of-the-road one for me because I think there's a good message in there, but it's kind of buried. Like, yeah, it's not fleshed out. Because there's well. something, there's like a sometimes you do have to grow up down underneath everything, but it's not really executed that well. And the only person that seems to realize this is Wendy. Right, like, and they seem to be playing both sides of it. Sometimes you do right. have to grow up, but you should stay a kid at heart so you don't end up the being right. the dad. Like, Peter never has this realization. The Lost Boys ultimately decide right, to stay decide on the island. They decide they want to stay in Neverland, yeah. yeah. Peter's big turnaround seems to be in, like, uh, it's a, oh, I should take Wendy home because Wendy is my friend, which is fairly heartwarming, but it's not really, the focus is, Wendy's got to grow up, right. maybe and I so should grow up. So the lesson isn't really that everybody has to grow up, it's really just... It's when, girls have to well, grow up. <laughs> yeah, Wendy at least does, if not all of the girls, and... And maybe the dad has to become a little bit more of a child. Right. Like, those two people yeah. go through some sort of growth in this, but nobody else changes. We, we tease the flip side of that message with the adults at the end of the film, which seems to be, hey, adults can be kids sometimes, too, but it, it doesn't really follow through with that. Yeah. Uh, so it's like we're we're trying for a message, but it becomes muddled and doesn't really work. So, that's, so I was going to give this three points, but unfortunately you also have messages of like, hey, women are all really catty and jealous of each other, or hey, let's poke fun of the Native American people, and those don't help matters, so I'm going to go two and a half. Yeah, I gave it a three. Uh, you're right about the way women and, and minorities are portrayed in this, uh, in this, which I'm just going to just put aside as its own little <laughs> yeah. uh, different time period it and is. all that. Just set that all aside. Right. It's all unfortunate and should be better, and I'm not trying to excuse that, but I'm also not trying to address that either. Right. Uh, I feel like you can watch these and be like, well, that, and you, this is a good thing to do if you are watching this with your children. Be like, yes, this was made in a different time. This isn't good that we have this, and we shouldn't think this. 
go on thinking this right. now. And maybe explain to your boys, too, like, this isn't really how girls think. Girls right. aren't necessarily like, like, you don't want to be there. You don't want to Jerry Lawler this. Be like, you know, all women secretly hate each other. <laughs> like, you don't want to do that. Right. Uh, to, through the movie. Which, this movie, which is why I'm glad. Disclaimer for all of these films when we have issues like this. I don't want to see any of this, like, removed or censored or toned no, no, no. down or, like, locked away so we don't see it. But th- this is good that this exists because it can be a talking point for right. I think if you were families. a parent showing this, you would want to, depending on the age of the kids, you would want right. to address that. Right. Um, but it, it will always be a, a thing, like when you're watching this movie, you'll always be like, oh yeah, well now we get the let's make, what makes a red man red song. Right. If you want, though, like, one thing, I know... Sometimes people justifiably give Disney a bad rap for the way that they portray women, and a lot of the princesses are just waiting for a man to save them or whatever, and this right. one certainly is the worst yep. uh, uh, so far of the way women have been portrayed. We get another film where we'll be talking about that two films away from this one, the next one. Sleep, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping yeah. Beauty coming uh, out. How long is it before we get a girl, or, or an adult woman, whatever, a female who is a three-dimensional character and seems to... Bell might be the next one, which is f- 50 years away almost, 40. She's a little damsel though. She like. is. She's more detailed. I'm actually a big fan, and we haven't... This I'll bring this up whenever, like a year from now when we get to that fucking episode. Uh, Meg in Hercules is really yeah, fucking three-dimensional. Yeah. With, like, just in the love story in general between them of, like, oh, I think I might like this guy, but he seems like kind of a dick, and then they, like get to go on a date and see if they fucking like each other and have like a thought process about it and a big turnaround of oh i've been hurt before but maybe we'll be okay but no i won't say i'm in love like um that's really three-dimensional for the 90s what about either of the rescuers movies like i haven't watched them in a long time but like the what bianca bianca is very headstrong yeah and that's cool and and helpful and is not intelligence she's not there to just get in peril like yeah no she's usually it's it's kind of the flip side because usually fucking bob newhart's the one getting in trouble right what's his name bernard bernard yeah yeah is that is that the first example um i don't know and even that's weird because it's like it's not like a young girl it's a i mean later on we get tangled and like princess and the frog and like Mm -hmm. we get we come out the other or we come out the other side frozen uh, frozen would be a good one where we actually get females that can do stuff but i'm struggling maybe we'll come up with some i don't remember sleeping beauty fucking doing anything other than being unconscious for a whole movie uh aristocats no they're pretty helpless until phil harris's character shows up right uh maid marion doesn't do much in robin hood the the lady cluck is very badass and headstrong that is true yeah she's like stiff arming rhinos and shits anyway that was the mees the what that was the mees on sen oh okay so i guess we're down we to... did i just did message though oh did you oh yeah <laughs> oh well i yeah i also did message i uh, maybe i didn't anyways three you know stay in touch with your inner child but also grow up but stay in touch but grow up yeah like it's back and forth between those two so the last one we got is magic then uh yeah i went to uh you can fly has some magic tinkerbell's pretty magical in his own right in her own right which is <laughs> why i think she got to be a franchise in the 90s and 2000s but other than that it doesn't seem much to write home about i like the adventure aspects but i think it's a middle of the road score for a middle of the road film for me two points i gave it four points 
I think there are definitely scenes in this movie that have become essential or quintessential Disney scenes, like when they first learned to fly and Tinkerbell in general as she's sort of become like a, a Disney symbol uh, yeah. of, of just magic and, and all because she's in the in the opening, right? Like you see yeah, like she's that's the little wand thing. She was in the opening in the nineties. Well true, <laughs> not the but one like they she's use still anymore. a thing, like right. a thing associated with Disney. Like there's probably Disney Mickey Mouse, Tinkerbell might be up there if not number two she'd probably be top five things mm-hmm. maybe not post 90s but early disney at least things associated with disney uh you know and so those things things that are memorable the ship flying as at the end of the movie even the dog flying at one yeah. point like i think That's there's cute. there's some magical moments in this so gonna be a pretty big score differential here uh yeah i think so pretty clear because you gave way higher points than me I'll i give... ended up with 16 16 lost boys out of 30 would recommend this film i uh if you add mine up you end up with 23 uh bald seagull buns <laughs> uh out of 30 which is actually a tie it's my first tie that i've had it's tied with snow white oh and it comes down to the magic score i gave snow white a five in magic this only got a four in magic so snow white will be ahead of peter pan by virtue of that but a tie um i would rather watch snow white than this i don't know i had Although a really I, good maybe I just got me on a real day about it. i'm in a good mood this weekend it's maybe. the first weekend in a while i haven't had to work that hard <laughs> caught up on all my grading and all my grad school stuff and so yeah. i've just kind of like let's just enjoy this movie i don't know i don't know i was in a position where i found this um the much like you found alice in wonderland grading that's kind of how i was feeling with just the silliness and the peter pan not very likable should we recap our current top five eight movies in while you do you need to add yours up while i do mine i need to look at my other notes okay um for mine though if we're gonna i would like to count down from five my fifth greatest now only eight movies in i will not stick to pinocchio being the fifth greatest movie ever in disneydom but at to this point pinocchio uh with 20 and a half is in fifth place then bambi 22 fourth place uh peter pan third uh, with 23 points, Snow White second with 23 points as well, but a higher magic score. And then the number one Disney movie to this point, I have Cinderella with 25. Yes, uh, Peter Pan does not crack my top five. Aww. It's uh, yeah, it's it's down in the slums. It's actually next to last. But... Oh come on, it's, <laughs> it's not 16. Dumbo bad. Like... No, well Dumbo was six, so okay, well, it is significantly <laughs> There's a better big than fucking Dumbo. But it bothers there. me that Peter Pan is third on my list and seventh out of eight. <laughs> You put Peter Pan below Fantasia? I did. And, uh, I enjoy parts of Fantasia. Uh, Fantasia is number five for me. And then, I think the people are going to be with me. The people understand. The people that the three people that have listened to this podcast, they're going to be like, you know what? Dustin was right. I don't like what he said about Alice in Wonderland, but he's right about Peter Pan. What do you think, Matthew? Whose side are you on here? <laughs> yeah, you've listened. I don't know if anyone else has. <laughs> Then I've got the tie in third, because I don't remember what the tiebreaker was, and I haven't looked it up. Pinocchio and Alice. One of them has a better magic score. I don't know which. (laughs) Still Pinocchio, dumbass. Snow White is second, and Cinderella is number one for me as well. We are going to start, when we release a new episode, uh, we're going to start showing you a screenshot of my score and Jake's score on each one uh, on our Twitter feed, so you can sort of see the new updates. Maybe we'll release the episode wait a day and then put that up so you got to listen to the episode if you want to know right away that works but uh you know so you can keep track of our rankings and then probably won't put up the full list each time but we'll you know after milestones like maybe when we finish our 
tenth movie, uh, which this was episode eight, so we got a ways to go still. It's true. But then we would show probably how we ranked the first ten, and then mm-hmm. we would keep ranking along the way. But then once we finished twenty movies, here's the first twenty movies. Here's how we rank them. Uh, up next from this one, Lady and the Tramp. We'll talk about our memories with Lady of the Tramp, Lady and the Tramp, when we start the next episode. But mm-hmm. I think it was one that I watched quite a bit. Oh, uh, yeah. I like Lady and the Tramp a lot. It's been a now, while it since I've seen it. Seems like but... it would fall more into the girl movie category. Like, it's... Uh, but it's dogs. I like dogs. Oh yeah, dogs are nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what we got next. And Italian food. You know, everybody likes spaghetti. <laughs> more, more stereotypes. Uh, yeah, Mario and Luigi are the fucking. <laughs> They're the fucking restaurant And we owners. get to see the uh, the little woodchuck or beaver or whatever the hell he is. Beaver. He's a beaver. He knocks down a tree, yes. Yeah. I don't know what woodchucks do. They <laughs> chuck wood, don't they? No, they don't. That's clearly what's in <laughs> <sighs> We need to end this episode. <laughs> Lady and the Tramp will be next time. So send us your thoughts. Email us. Dudeswatchdisneygmail.com. Subscribe us. I've subscribe s- to us. I've started live tweeting Once Upon a Time episodes. That's true. Uh, Watch Once Upon a Time with Dustin. Have fun with that. Right. Uh, you know, and so I've made references to our show along the way in those. Uh, I don't know. Are there other shows you want us to live tweet? Are there other Disney-related shows? Monday Night Raw. No. <laughs> That's I don't usually think that, what we're that's watching. Not really Disney related show. Uh, uh, should you be watching Jake and the Neverland Pirates or something? Like could be. I don't watch shows live, so live tweeting is difficult. Right, it's difficult for me too. Like I, I could to live like, tweet my DVR New uh, Girl the, episode or something. This is the sacrifice that I'm willing to make for the show. I had to watch commercials I'm last week while live tweeting. That. Once upon a time, I don't watch commercials. I will record shows, kill to fifteen or ten, you know, ten or fifteen minutes, and then watch them, so I don't have to watch the commercials. But I watched them last week for all of you. I did it for you out there. So reach out your hand right now. <laughs> my hand is touching, touching your, your hand. hand. Yes. Hard time blues, daddy. Five star reviews. We'd love to get one of those and read them out on the show. Oh, we would. I would read them in a very dramatic voice. I'm a fantastic reader. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love, we'd love you. So just call us back, guys. We need to hear from you. Sometimes no answer is your answer, Jake. Mm. But that'll be the end of this episode. And, uh,. We will see you next time. I'm going to show Dustin that fucking Lost Boys song because he should have heard it by now. Uh, mm. And that'll be it. So There's also a country song right now called Peter Pan. I don't know how it goes. Um, I think I found that Googling trying to find the fucking Lost Boys song. Oh, well, there you go. And I was like, this isn't it. What is this? I don't know. Anyway, good night, everyone. See you later. Good night. <laughs> good night. Well, I don't know what time it is where you are, but maybe. Go to bed like Wendy. Uh yeah, you got you can't stay in the nursery anymore. Mm-hmm. Grow up. See you later. I'm Dustin. Bye. He's Jake. Dude. See you later. Toodaloo. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to cover are Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty, so if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world.
or the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye.